we can miss almost everything amazing about art when we think of it as a competition. Wise words from Darby O'Dooley himself. That is the guest speaker that we have for today, Manic episode number 11. Today's topics include writing, spoken word poetry, the local scene, and just art in general. So if those things interest you, keep tuning in. And thank you so much for rocking with me thus far. This is Manic episode number 11 with Darby O'Dooley. Let's make some noise. And if you want to be part of the noise, just email me, manicpodcasting at gmail.com. And, you know, the modernists, they were very swept up in these large political ideas or, in T.S. Eliot's case, a religion. Um, and I think that was because they were very intelligent, talented people who did not feel appreciated enough. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I see that with the local scene in music, talking to a lot of musicians, a lot of them feel very put out by the lack of an audience. Yeah. And there's so much and talent here too. There is. And I, I feel like Cincinnati, has, I don't, I can't speak for other cities, but I feel like Cincinnati especially has a, a really bad ratio of talented people to people listening to one another. Yeah. But I feel like talking to a lot of people about their experience with art, I think there is a, a bit of a bitterness that's starting that leads to a defensive mindset um, and then there are defen- politics that are defensive. Men getting defensive about like the Me Too movement or white people getting defensive about like, well, I'm not racist. And I think that the defensiveness of our politics I see reflected in a lot of the people that I talk to. And it's not always so explicit. I feel like in art scenes, things do tend to be very open-minded. You know, the arts have kind of always been known as a yeah. place for progressive ideas. But I think a lot of what I, how I see it expressed is detachment yeah. and a sense of like, I don't owe the political situation or I don't owe the realities of other yeah. people much because I've been devalued. So why should I value? Um, I've I've literally sat with people and heard them say things like, you know, honestly, I don't care. And, but I think they do, but they just feel hurt yeah. because they feel ignored, and so they're ignoring other people. Yeah. And I think that's dangerous because I understand it to an extent. I mean, it's really tough, you know, to show up at open mics, and I know people are busy. Yeah, it's and hard people, too, yeah. yeah, because people sometimes it's it's not because the it's because there's nothing more painful than seeing someone get up and obviously think they're great and maybe be great but immediately leave. Or you hear them afterwards talking negatively about it. And that people. happens in being a person that has started an open mic event and that has been around it for almost four years now. I have seen that so many different times throughout the years. Yes. That people, like, they come for the first time, they perform, and then they just leave. They just fuck off. And it's like, I get it. Like, you, people have lives, they have things mm-hmm. they have to do, yada, yada, yada. But it also, like you have to realize what that does to the other people in the audience, you know? Like, oh, it hurts my feelings. (laughs) I think that it's, I've seen it happen at a rate where I don't think it's just because someone has to get up early the next day, you know? And I've had to leave uh, events early and felt bad about it. Uh, The other day when performing at Mad Frog, I was able to be there for the bands that preceded us, but our drummer had to get up early the next day for his nine to five job. 
and he's like, guys, I gotta go home. And so we missed the last band. Yeah. And I felt bad about it. But there's, there's... I know so many people in the band community as well that, like, complain about that too. They just are there for the one band that they want to see and then they leave. It's like, that's not how, that's not how support is supposed to work. Like, that's not how you're supposed to lift up your fellow local artists. Mm-hmm. Period. And I think it doesn't even matter where people... For me, it doesn't matter how, how good someone is. Because I've been around artistic people long enough. I've seen some people start off to not be that great at yeah. their genre. And eventually become really talented. Right. And I've, you know, I've seen it from comedy. I've seen it with music. People improve. And if you, you have to get people where they're at. And art also, the quality of art is a really interesting thing because... We always talk about how it's subjective, um, and you know, there's a lot of people who get defensive about that, and they say, you know, I don't want art to be subjective. Um, and it's true that art, you know, there is a measurable quality. You know, you can do a run on guitar that's complex and difficult, and you stay, you know, you have a good sense of tempo. There are measurable things. But art also is about its ability to connect people. That that's how it's ultimately measured unless you have some other... uh, Or it's maybe you could talk about like there's there's a self-interrogation that has a psychological component. Um, But if you... You can get up and be technically proficient, but... I never like when when I see someone get up there there's like a certain vibe you know they might make an ironic joke before they yeah. start um, sometimes I've actually seen people who've participated in open mics like criticize the moderator who did nothing wrong in some subtle way it's something that I I immediately don't care how good you are um, <laughs> and that is actually if we are measuring talent I think that that is actually part of talent is yeah. that if, if art is an in, a, a relationship um, and, you know, you you close people off, then you're not good at that part of art. Yeah. And I, uh, I think that that's a, my experience as I've gotten older, seeing how local artists interact with each other has completely reshaped how I evaluate artists. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, when you're younger, I think you're very in love with the technical side of things because you haven't met as many people. <laughs> and so you think, oh, this person is really showy in this way. They show off all their reading and their skill. But as I've gotten older, I've really realized that the much harder, it's much harder to be a, go- a good person and it's much harder to be human and vulnerable um, than it is to memorize a certain technique or memorize certain words. As difficult as those same things seem when you're young yeah. and you don't know how to do anything, the older you get and those things start falling together, people start getting a hold of them, then you start seeing that technical proficiency is a lot more common than someone who can move you emotionally because they're, they're saying something to you, not at you. Mm-hmm. Um and that's tough. I, I get that these issues, we all are emotionally exhausted. This is a very saturated market. Social media emotionally yeah. maxes us out yeah. a lot. And you can see, like, 
even music and the way people interact with one another change as the times are changing. Mm -hmm. You know, like people's relationships and the way things are presented and, and marketed now are like so completely different than they used to be. And like even music is changing with those things. Yes. And I think that's really important to pay attention to as well because it's so interesting how we went from like this era of like hair metal and like prog rock to now we have all of these these men that are speaking on like these very very important topics like mental health and mm -hmm. substance abuse and things like that and i think that's so powerful not so great because you never really heard much of that until now mm -hmm. i mean it was so present but i feel like it's a lot more prominent now than it ever was yeah there's there's also a very it's interesting to me how the personal has become so collectivistic in yeah. what I would say is a really healthy way that there was this, um, there, you know, you mentioned hair metal and, you know, um, I'm not very well versed on all the <laughs> bands and stuff at that time, but when I think about 80s music and 80s rock, um, the individualism stopped at them. And I think it's interesting that when I look at the big level art, you know, when I look at celebrities and stuff, you see very compassion driven messages. Um, even ones that I'm not super well informed on, you know, such as I know 21 pilots is someone that everyone at uncensored, I feel like geeks out over. Like it's, it's, they're very enthusiastic about it. And, <laughs> and it's interesting to look at, a, the one of the closest things we have to like rock stars right now um, being all about mental illness and all about you know awareness around those issues and turning back the clock where you know if I think about Guns and Roses or something it's almost the it's all about fucking bitches yeah it's and the complete <laughs> the complete denial of your right. emotions exactly. of of any vulnerability but then again I think you know genre. The genre breakdown today makes these questions a lot more complex because yeah. then you turn around and, you know, I don't think, um, I, you know, if you look at pop music, there's still that, you know, but very you, individualistic thing. You but know. do you think in the same way that it helps people become, like you said, like individualistic and things like that, do you think it also, I've seen a shift it, in poetry people care less about the artistry of poems and more about what they're saying and like mm -hmm. how they're expressing themselves. So instead of there being like a well curated poem, it seems to me like things are turning more into like diary entries. I think this can be, we can like bookmark this in that. I think this is kind of getting to the heart of the matter as far as it applies to um, art in general. I think one of the things that I fear about spoken word poems is they're deeply personal and vulnerable but at the same time existing in the media uh in the media as they do um they almost become an an almost elevated complex uh meme you know yeah. if i see a poem about depression it is so universal it becomes not about depression to me yeah. And because 
I think what happens is we get so concerned about the category. And it should be said that all these things I'm saying is like just trying to understand how people are trying to disseminate art. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's doing this from maybe from nefarious intentions. I don't know. But I think a lot of it is just people are sitting around thinking, man, it's hard to get people to pay attention. Like, you know, we really need to get this message out. How do we do it? And I think it happens almost by accident. But... You know, it's 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 easy to market that, but it's hard to market maybe the consequences of depression in your yeah. life. Like, what did depression do um, to a specific relationship, or even how you are held? A, sometimes talking about the results of mental illness that are not so pretty. You know, it's one thing to be like, I'm sad, and no one, you know, if this person was there for me, or this person wasn't there for me, or I can't, you know, I struggle to pay my rent. These broad statements that make you that you're like, yes. your sympathy is brought forward but a lot of art and a lot of i think what we would consider things that are really moving is is when the character is not always just a hero and i think when i i think that there's a strong element of of heroes and villains um in in spoken word poems yeah and i think it's it's tough to get to those places where people are just human right because i know for me like there's so many poems about anxiety and depression. It's almost overwhelming. Trying to find one that is about like bipolar disorder or, you know, childhood trauma and things like that. I want to hear about that because I've been through it and I want somebody to relate to, right? Mm-hmm. But those things are often not shown. Huey Wynn is like one of my favorite poets because he talks about his childhood trauma. He talks about his struggles being gay and like growing up and his mom being very very distant with him because of it and him being molested and things like that like all of those really really difficult things but he's one of my favorite poets because the way that he writes about it is just it's just amazing this is the thing that i would also say and i don't know think anyone intends this but when you get so many of those poems stacked up on top of each other there's the impression that depression and anxiety win um, over the individual um, yeah. because when I think about artists who were who I know something about their history and they were depressed or anxious or they had something and you're right the depression anxiety binary is strange in that there is so much more to the to people you know we could bring in a, a psychiatrist who could sit down to us and be like yeah there is a much much bigger array of things that are harder to understand but are just as prevalent or yeah. or nuance or intersect with those things but when i think about artists who were depressed and the depression is in their art but the art is not about the depression yeah exactly you get a lot of moments about you know i am going to say someone's name like Lee Young Lee when he talks about his mother braiding her hair um don't remember exactly if if that poem had an element of like any anything that would mention depression but when you read the collection Rose you do get this overall sense of um a deep grief at the very least but also a grief that is not is not running is not getting through it it's it it speaks of an obsessive grief and is depression ever mentioned no but those poems speak to a fatigue and a a 
a sadness that is more pronounced than a poem because it's human. Yeah. And the humanity of the individual survives the depression and makes the depression all the more harrowing because of that. And whereas when I read a depression poem, which even saying that seems really diminishing. Yeah. Um, when I read a depression poem, the depression is everything. And maybe that's how it, how it feels for the person, but uh, depression is how, how does it impact your relationship? How does it impact your work? Like what happens at your work? What happens when you keep working while depressed or you can't work anymore? And they, they touch upon those issues, but the constant need to universalize, it makes it, it makes it almost, it's, it's a useful thing for getting across like a political idea, I think with mental illness like hey we need to like organize around this or this needs help or donate or something yeah um but though the political and the artistic often relate to one another um we know when one is all about power and one seems to be about some other things like comfort or hope or healing or yeah and uh it I, I do see why some some poems become so popular. Yeah. But... It's not to say that any poem that talks about depression ever was bad. Exactly. Or, or like, any of these, like, super popular depression poems are terrible or they're, they're not art. Because they are. There's merit to them. Yeah. But I think on a personal level, just for me, and I just, like, want to throw that out there as, like... <laughs> as yeah. Little, as, like, a little footnote, like, hey, I'm not trying to hate on all of these poems that do this because they're still important. Like, people need to hear them, right? They're poems that I needed to hear back when I was going through depression. I didn't know what the fuck it was, Mm -hmm. right? Well, I also think that a lot of this is simply about skill, perhaps. Yeah. Where you might just pick a, you know, a common metaphor because you haven't gotten the place where you're generating more. So, um, I mean, there are poems just going to seem less cheesy because the writer is better and yeah that's true and a lot of this is about the democratization of poetry through social media and stuff which absolutely i think should be encouraged i am all for more voices i think the problem is that more voices does not mean so that we have to categorize them so quickly we want to do that because the sheer number of them i mean even when you go to a website, like a popular website on poems, and you see the poems on the subject of, that is that is worrying to me. Yeah. Because a poem, I think, should, should stand, sh- should have enough nuance that it resists categorization. Yeah. And uh, I think that, I think that this also has a lot to do with Um, The nature of social media itself, which is a a good technology, but I know that we worry about, it is a categorization machine. And human beings like to categorize others, but they hate to be categorized themselves. And I think that's what we see a lot in in this poetry, is that everyone um, wants to look out into a simplified world, but they want to be seen as complex. And... Artists are just trying to survive and succeed within that. And I think at the end of the day, like, these people just want to be heard. Like, they just want to be validated. And what better way 
to be validated than to make your work universal that people can't help but to relate, you know? And I do think it's also the the moral concern yeah, of the definitely. of young people and I think that is wonderful. I mean, I think morally, in terms of if you're looking at art like poetry and the excessive use of the word depression, I think in the same way that it could be valued and people could find like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. The same way it could be overused into the point where people who don't actually have depression and are just kind of sad throw themselves into that category and it's not doing that person any good. So there's definitely two different sides yeah, and I would also say, like, breaking the fourth wall. I think that, um, <laughs> I think we have some good good things that we've said, but I also think that you're right in being like, I don't want to hate on anything. Yeah. And that criticism is always a tough thing because oftentimes you're criticizing something you don't want it to go away. Right, exactly. You just want it to keep growing. Yes. And it's not, I think that their art needs to constantly be responding to the art that came just before. And I think that we're getting to the moment when poetry is ready to, to reflect on itself again. Yeah. I feel like yeah. we have had a push forward. Spoken word, I mean, since we've been growing up from our adolescence to this early adulthood, has been a, a known factor yeah. in, in arts of all kinds. It it's become a part of it transforms the way that written art yes. is looked at. It's it's impacted ac- like academic poetry from from poets who have been accepted in both worlds. Um, it's it's impacted rap music in the way that it's been used repeatedly by A-list artists. Mm-hmm. Um, it's impacted I've even seen it in novels, you know, I've seen it, I've seen it on talk, t- talk shows, um, it, it's this really, it's a substantial thing, but it, when it first started, well, it, it hasn't started so recently, but with the rise of social media as it, as it became this, this known, this household name, yeah. um, it, it, when something like that happens, every artist who breaks through is new yeah and now it's no longer new and it that's always a tough spot for any art movement to be in is it's is it's time for the new voices to speak on the old and speak beyond the old yeah um and i think that that's what we're seeing is you Mm -hmm. know it might have been really really a brand new thing to speak about mental illness at all in a direct way. I mean, that is really yeah. brand new. It you, really was. Brand yeah, new you read happening. Yeah, I mean, you you see you see sickness and stuff in in um, past works of art, but it was often caught up in something else. Like it had to be even mentioning something such as a classic like crime and punishment. It had to be. Um, you know, the religious commentary, the poverty, the politics of the time, Dostoevsky's own experiences, um, combined with uh, a man losing his mind, as the book's supposed to be about in many ways. And um, it had a lot to do with morality and guilt, but it was, it. I think recently, being able to let something like depression, anxiety, or something like that just stand on its own, 
um, was really novel. Um, now I think that there needs to be the conversation needs to continue, and yeah. I, I think the community needs to be prepared to listen to those right. to the no, to those new it's voices. It's just to the point where it's getting so like played out now that it's like it doesn't feel as important to people anymore. Yeah, I do worry about how um, that. The way that social media is so huge and has so much that it makes it so that you have to choose something to experience it. Yeah. Um, And I, so if there's this whole category of people consuming this art who are actively choosing it, um, it, it does... It, that feedback loop I talk about yeah, with each the new generation. <laughs> yeah, well, also just the, the art reflecting on itself. Yeah. This could just keep going and going and going and become more and more of a niche. Um, and it might grow smaller, but, uh, you know, I feel like um, with the internet, you know, these people don't have to share a physical community. This niche can continue forever yeah. and keep playing itself out, as yeah. you say. And I think that spoken word in general is important and that reinvigorating that market would be very powerful especially in the current climate i oh man the current climate yeah and i think that that's um i have also seen a lot of spoke people who were interested in spoken word are now evolving beyond the 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 style that's associated with it yeah and I think that that was a problem that spoken word had maybe from the beginning is that spoken word, even though it's it's supposed to just be a medium, like it's supposed to be, um, you know, an especially rhythmic, expressive performance um, of poetry in a live setting yeah. um, or recorded. It, there's some it's, it's this idea of taking it from the page in some way that should just be a a question of, of, of medium of like how you transmit the words, but it started to become a very particular flavor of poetry. Yeah. There's sort of like a format that you had to follow or like a blueprint that everyone did kind of like the same kind of thing. And there were certain, um, uh, yeah. And there were certain, uh, images or, uh, like certain phrasing that became popular and that's okay, you know, just like the sonnet is a format, but yeah. it can contain almost an endless multitude and of in ideas. Music too, you want to exactly. Popular, a lot of other people use the same sample. Exactly. Like that. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think with spoken word that was really limiting because it it one excludes a lot of people actually, and it yeah. excludes a lot of human experience. And people start to you don't want to create an environment where human experience can only be filtered through, um, uh, say a mental illness because there, and even mental illness is, um, doesn't dominate. Uh, well, a person might feel that, feel that it dominates, but I feel like a lot of the subjective, interior of like i have a depressed day but this specific thoughts and experiences and actions i take throughout those day throughout that day um are not are not always going to scream depression that there's a lot that you're losing and that i think is what people sense is they're like 
like even if I am this category that you're that you're promoting, I am more than that category. Yeah, exactly. And part of recovery of or a part of like getting to a healthy place in life is learning how to escape other people's expectations of your sp- kind of category. Mm-hmm. In the current political environment, I think that one of the things that one of the quotes that I collected through the years about art um just from it was actually a professor I think was passing along quote was that um, we need novels because novels prove that other people exist. I think that the problem with the this categorical feel to a spoken word is that it doesn't have that element of where you need to know someone else exists if you're going to build coalitions, if you're going to gain power, there's going to be social change. Um, I feel like consuming art is an act of compassion and then giving out art is an act of compassion in many ways. And I think that... And I think to get people to... To really care, you you have to you have to do more than just pass around a buzzwords. sort of surface a buzzwords a surface <laughs> or even like one of the things that I've gotten the impression of is that a um, a a poem like that's about depression you don't you want it to do more than just give the diagnosis. You yeah. know, you want it to do more exactly. than to just describe symptoms. Right. You you know, if someone's like actually, if 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 it does have a therapeutic quality, um, then it's going to need to talk about experiences. It's right. going to need to talk about past and future. Yep. About exactly. um, and it also needs to come. I think another part of art is about um, how do I say this? About existing in a place existing hopefully in a place without hope is something that I see art as being able to do. Like when you've been in a conversation with a friend and there's something going on in their life that is, is not going to go away. Yeah. And you, you have to sit there and not give them excuses Mm -hmm. and not try to give them a comforting lie because what they need is for you to just be there with them. And I think with the problem I think is sometimes Art needs to exist in that place where, um, if we're talking about like this current political environment, we should be feeling a lot of, um, a lot of discouragement, while at the same time needing to act with courage and and to act in every way that we can. Yeah. And this and, is why I think this is why when you listen to a person of color perform spoken word for me that's what really drew me to the art form mm-hmm. is because you learned something from it you took away something that you originally didn't walk into it with like yeah. obviously obviously i am a white female i'm never gonna know the experiences of a black woman but hearing the spoken word and hearing her really talk about her struggles and the things that that she needs and wants and the things that she's been through and and the places she's gone and the places she wants to go it's i think it's really i think it's a really important medium and to be able to educate people and i think that that cannot be stressed enough and it should be said that that 
the the gatekeepers of you know traditional publishing and stuff yeah. were were not doing a good enough job yeah. of bringing in diversity mm-hmm. and if they have any complaints about spoken word or what it is um, then they should have done a better job yeah. and that is easy I understand that that's easy for me to say as someone who doesn't work in in you know the publishing world and stuff. Yeah. But I do know, just to give uh, a, a slightly unrelated example, I remember in an interview with the New York Times, Stephen Colbert said that when he first put out the call for, like, I'd like, you know, more women on the staff can, you know, so try to, like, pass along their resumes, he said he hardly got anyone. And he actually had to say, give us only women before he actually, you know, was able to to get to the place where he was seeing almost equal representation, and uh, and wow. and that we're talking about one of the most powerful people in the entertainment industry. And I think that one of the things with with social media and a lot of these forms is all of a sudden you saw this explosion of potential yeah. um, for you know the world was closing doors and people opened doors for themselves. And I think that I have gotten the same impression of when I look at my when I look at my bookshelf, I see a whole lot of old white guys in the sort of academic poetry section, and I see a lot of women and um, and I see a lot of people of color in the section from the spoken word community, and that's really cool, and that is no small thing. Um, I think that that's why it's all the more important that the genre ref- reflects on itself. I think that it's, it's also going to be helpful to that strength of that community to bring in an intersection of other experiences mm-hmm. that, um, because all of these things interact with one another. You can definitely have a conversation about how depression and privilege or the lack of privilege impacts the experience of mental illness. And there's a lot of, I think a lot of this stuff is not that these subjects don't need to be talked about, but what does it mean to be, uh, depressed and be wealthy and what does it mean to be depressed and poor um, and I think that that's often why these issues of mental illness often get thrown under the rug for other concerns because oftentimes people from you know different socioeconomic statuses or um, different identities struggle to understand the experience of someone else with mental illness when yeah. their world is so different right, exactly. you know like what you know Growing up, um, you know, there were people I knew who their families were investing in a lot of care, a lot of money at stake, and they could afford that. And then, you know, I I also knew people, I know people now who don't have health insurance and say, like, I know I need help for this, but I just can't do it. So all yeah, I got to do is just, you know, and um, so I've heard that. Actually, I can think of specific you know, poems, spoken word artists who yeah, have talked about so. that. Yeah. And I think that that, and they, they off, but when I think about who those are, is they're often like kind of the stars of the community yeah. where they, they kind of represent the best of it. Yeah. Um, I think that it could be done more. Um, and I think that, uh, that's the problem with focusing on any one part of the human experience too much is it makes it hard for a, another person to get into that into that empathetic place mm-hmm. of um, because they're going to see things that they stumble over, and 
I I know that one of the reasons I think specificity is always what you hear in workshops and always praised so much in writing yeah. is because you actually make your work able to be disseminated through a broader audience by being more specific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we all feel reasons to pull away from one another if you just say so-and-so makes X amount of money a year or so-and-so is this or so-and-so is has, you know, the following things. And, um, you know, you really got to get to something really small and concrete no matter what it is. And... Because it's that one little thing that, like, the one person in the audience or the one person that watches that spoken word video or the one person that consumes that art is going to be like, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt that. And, you know, and I feel like people, people are often too worried about, oh, I want to appeal to all of these people instead of trying to appeal to that one person who really hasn't any hasn't had anybody to appeal to and I think that's what motivates me in my art and and to write it's not about appealing to a greater audience it's about appealing to that one person in the audience that could benefit from what I'm saying and I think that's why I get like I just get so intricate with my poetry and with my art and like I get so personal about it because nobody else is gonna get personal about my life but me you know so why not and it's like it's it's a form of therapy almost as well you know, when I didn't have the access to those things growing up, like, I had access to a pen and a paper. So, I wrote for that one person in the room that was going to feel what I was saying. But I feel like the only way you get to a hundred people in a room is by speaking to that one person. Because yeah. because in we talk about a very saturated market, and um, I don't always love that wor- those words in association with the art because... <laughs> Oh my god, it sounds like we're going to meet business meeting or something. Know, like, right? well, the saturated market is highly competitive these days. Um, <laughs> but it is. It is, but at the same time, I think the need to compete is something that I have a problem with. From, you know, I understand that people want to have careers, they want to make money off of yeah. art and be able to quit their day jobs. At the same time, I think artists being set against one another is one of the saddest things to me. Yeah, is when artists feel like they have to compete with one another, yeah. it almost never is good for the art, and it's not good for the people who are competing, and it just makes everyone sad. And I think it it makes it... There's so much ac- happy accident or, de- or very sad accidents with how success works that people, people really need to have some other bearing on... I mean, there's 7 billion people on the face of the earth roughly you know like and there's only going to be more you know if if art is a competition if the one of the few things in life that is beautiful and stays beautiful through the years and can give you this concrete um thing to kind of carry you through tough moments that is able to be accessed by um you know people from all all stratums of society, if that thing becomes just yet another competition you can lose, you know, I feel like that's going... what's left? Yeah, and I feel like that's why so many people fall back on... Now, this this is something that's specific to me, but I feel like that's why people become so determined to associate their art with, with with, uh, you know, a... 
a slogan or like a current trend or they want to associate their art with um, a, a god figure or they want to associate it with uh, this, this grandiose political idea. Um, and all those things can be talked about as whether they are a good association or not. Um, but I think that before you carry your art to anywhere else, it's kind of got to, you got to kind of be okay with it yourself. And it's scary because otherwise what I think happens is artists can end up desperate and they take the first thing that comes along. Like, are you going to think that, you know, oh, no one appreciates real music anymore. (laughs) You know, I'm just a genius and no one, I'm just an undiscovered (laughs) genius and no one understands me because I'm better than the crowd. And then you start to become arrogant and then trots along someone who talks about all of these, you know, people who are trying who are caught up in these these political ideas when politics is dumb because you're just so smart you don't need to be part of the crowd or concerned about other you know it, it sounds silly but i've met people who step by step end up somewhere where uh you know they've they've given up their art to something that is not worthy of their art oh wow it just really comes back to we are now in a place where we are aware of so many other people and people are nostalgic for the idea of a rock star or the idea of, of the greatest writer or the idea of the genius. And it's not that there isn't a greatness to life. It's just that the greatness of life is found in small things. I've never, you know, I've never, I've never felt, you know, m- like if you want to talk about what's given me peace in life, it's probably just as likely to be a tree that looks especially beautiful against the <laughs> skyline as as much as you know something larger. I think that uh, we can we can miss almost everything amazing about art. Um, when we think of it as a competition. I mean, even when I think about why I actually, you know, um, one of the things that was discouraging to me about writing is feeling like writers weren't talking to one another. I wanted to sit down. I wanted to have, you know, and I wanted to, I felt like a lot of my friends who were, who were writing were starting to separate. And there was an element where sharing became stressful for one another. And I... I, that might be specific to the network that I was a part of. Yeah. Their lives were changing, you know, and I, but I know that when almost every single close friend I have, all my best friends, I met through art. And it, it, on, on, there are a lot of forms of success that I have not experienced with art <laughs> that I would like to, but I hope that I don't look at that. I think that that there has been no success so far yeah. because it's a success that that um, I've been changed and the people around me have been changed by just trying to work together to make beautiful things. <laughs> um, and that is that journey is more significant than that journey is more significant if you're in a good place, I guess. Yeah. But I, if you're looking for art to maybe carry your, you, you out of the bad situation, um, and that's a whole nother thing. I have some friends who want to do art because they're afraid of being poor and they think that maybe they'll make more money at art. They're not good at anything else. They don't, or they don't think they're good at anything else. They feel like, 
you know, they're not going to become a doctor anytime soon. They've, everyone around them, you know, the working class experience can be tough. You know, it wears on the body and you just want to do something with your mind that... Yeah. So, um, there's that side of things. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, you can get to a place where you don't need to rely on a gamble to take yourself out of, out of, you know, a poor situation. Right. I agree. So... Out of everything that we've talked about, what do you think the takeaway of this whole conversation should be? Oh man, give me a moment. There might be a lot of ums coming. I up. mean, we covered a lot of different stuff. So. We did. I uh, I actually find the top. So I'm gonna reflect a little. I'm gonna try to remember what we've talked about. I think that there are some good things about what we've said about the spoken word community, I think a lot of it is I feel nervous about because there is there is a lot yeah. of content on the platforms for spoken word. And so there are plenty of poems doing what we hope. Oh, yeah, that, for sure. Yeah. For it's, sure. It, it's, it's a lot about consumers and, you know, how many clicks get something to be at that surface level where it's like the flagship poem. It's like yeah. the representational thing. Um, there's almost... That's one of the things that I think I've realized getting older as an artist is that there's so much good art happening that people are doing around me that I realize that if you if you don't see good art on a big, famous level... It's not because there aren't good artists out there. It's because you're not looking hard it's, enough. It's because something in society, we're not looking for the right things. Yeah. Strong, like with enough, with enough fervor. Right. Um, I really stand, I think something that I'm very confident in is I really don't like competitiveness um, between artists. If we're not listening to each other, then who? Then why does why should the world listen to us? Yeah. If we can't show that kindness to one another, why should the world be kind to us? And I also think that entitlement, and my criticisms of becoming entitled as an artist that like you deserve to be listened to, I get it. It's so so frustrating to feel like. There's nowhere to go. Like, that you've made this beautiful art, and you could look around yourself, and I'm like, where's a platform where I can take this? And you feel like Cincinnati doesn't, ha- doesn't have the right setup to bring artists out of the shadows. Yeah. And, um, and if you're the one in the shadows, it's very, 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 very frustrating, you know? Yeah, and, it's really discouraging almost. But I think it's so important that we do not become entitled as artists, especially... Yeah. If you're coming from a place of privilege, I think that becomes ugly fast. Yep. And I think that becomes really defensive fast. And that is one of my biggest worries. And I have, as someone who's recently gone through things where I feel like, you know, I've looked around myself and I've realized if if art is about competition, I need it so badly to be about something else. Because um, I... I, you know, if you're making art from a place of like where you're powerful and strong and you're already successful, then it's probably fun for art to be a competition. You're probably like, yeah, I win all the time. <laughs> but if you're in a place where where you don't feel like you're in a strong place in society, well, you know, you you just need a comfort. You just need something that doesn't, you want just something, anything 
that will not make you feel as small as the rest of your life makes you feel small. Yeah. And we need and looking at society, I think we need something that can make people feel not so forgotten and not so small without that something being something dangerous. Yeah. We need something that can in a healthy way make people feel like they're not nothing. There's this idea that artists just make their art themselves, but you look into the story of famous books or famous albums and yeah, there's someone who has to be the face of it who Yeah, but look at but, all going on like like with albums and stuff yeah. you see like all the credits too at the end and like who did the production and yada 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 mm-hmm. and it's like it's a team effort and that used to be understood i think we somehow got into the cult of personality somewhere along the way yeah. sorry to use a catchphrase but um <laughs> i think you know you look at the renaissance and leonardo da vinci like he became good working within workshops that were practically painting factories and yeah. there you know that he like, a lot of things that we identify as, like, a moment where Leonardo da Vinci worked on something is a very small part of a painting that was that was done by his master or something and his his teacher. And, yeah. um, and so I think that, you know, or even how in, you know, epic poetry traditions and in other cultures, you know, you have a singular story that is passed on and there's like certain tropes or there's certain things that are understood should happen within the epic story but the the individual creates it anew brings it back to life in their in their way and i think that as a i think as a as um a society of artists i think we're we're actually kind of coming back to a moment like this yeah. where where we and i think that's good because oftentimes if you you know, if you work with a blank piece of paper and you've never read a book in your life and you don't understand any, you've never done any research on the history of writing, you're probably just going to regurgitate cliches. And it's actually being aware of other people and being aware of their insight that allows you to escape other people, strangely enough. It's only through relationship that you become more than than just yourself. Um and you know you th- i think people are afraid like i've even heard people be like well i'm afraid that if i uh um if i go into a workshop it won't be my poem anymore but actually people can help oftentimes people will talk about what you're trying to succeed at and what you're trying to build they look for your message and sometimes someone will misunderstand you yeah. you usually know when um i really think workshops need to be encouraged promoted and moderated well so that because i have because you know i will say you know i've I've seen a lot of people come forward and let their they're like here's my moment and there's a lot of like i remember i'm not sure if this is a term that's common but i heard someone one time call it peacocking where (laughs) you bring in like some poem that's already been edited and workshopped in in a million times and it's like already good and you just come in because you want to show everyone your best stuff and be like, oh, I'm so That's impressive. So Wait, I wrote this last night. Spur of the moment so just came out of me. Like, um, uh, Another thing that I, I will say is that I think this is going to sound strange and pessimistic, but I, <laughs> I think that 
we aren't really at a place where I don't see a lot of coteries forming, yeah. nor do I think we have a lot of um, uh, potential to start forming groups of writers. I've seen it sometimes happen, but it's often been ran through something else. Like, you know, maybe someone goes to a... I don't know, it's through their work or their church or something, or it's through an activist organization. Um, it seems like people... We're not at a place where as artists... Like, I just think we're a little alienated yeah. in the U.S. or at least in Cincinnati in Midwest culture. I think we're really bad at banding together. Yeah. But something that I... And I would try. I would try to pull things together. Um, and I actually had let's more success. Yes, let's do it, let's Amanda. Do it. Do it. We should. Um, right here. Yeah, yeah. But actually, something that I... If I were to give recommendations to people... One of the things that I felt like I actually started getting farther and actually started building more of a network oh, okay. when I thought of partnerships. Okay. Where it, I f- because partnership after partnership eventually became more. Is awesome. I kept trying to pull something out of nowhere and something that I think changed my life as an artist is when I just met with one person and we were like, we don't know what the hell we're doing, but we're doing something. <laughs> we'll figure it out. And then that became more i mean that's how that's how my current band started but it also is something that you know when i was in a lot of workshops and it seemed when um going to uc um going to college it felt that it was hard to pull together groups outside of class yeah but then i started meeting kelly one-on-one and i started meeting Jake one-on-one and I started meeting Ben one-on-one and just it's at first it seemed splintered but then everyone started meeting each other and it became more and I think that would be my recommendation to people because I don't think you can change things overnight and I think we are at a very lonely place where we're having to relearn society um as technology and yeah. and travel. I mean, it's weird. We're so... Everyone talks about it. It's beaten into the ground with them, yeah. um, with how we're so connected and alienated at the same time. And I think that as artists, we need to, we need to have achievable goals. Yeah. And I think that mo- most people sitting at home right now doing art on their own, or maybe you're further down the road, if you thought about like, man, can I get a group of 10 people together just in form a movement we'll be the new surrealists you probably are not going to get very far but can you call up just one other friend that you know writes and just be like want to compare notes and that's gotten me farther